Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. for the last few weeks, we're in the middle of a series called This is Ephesians. And uh, we've been going through verse by verse uh, this letter in the, in the New Testament. It's written by a guy named Paul uh, to a church uh, to, in, to encourage them in, in, in knowing what they have in Christ and then what to do about it. And uh, so we've been journeying through that. Um, it is interesting to note that Ephesians is one of the letters that Paul wrote while he was sitting in a jail cell. Uh, So as he writes this, as he's encouraging uh, this church, you can imagine him sitting in this jail cell. What a picture of the authenticity of of Paul's heart as he he is suffering to to write this. And uh, as we've been going through it, Dan, Dan uh, last couple of weeks has given a, a warning. It is sort of like drinking from a fire hose because we are trying to unpack all of this truth uh, in, into, um, you know, 30 minutes. So we're going to try to get through as much of chapter four today as we can. Um, but Ephesians, the book of Ephesians can be broken up into in, really into two parts. Uh, the first part of Ephesians focuses on what we receive in Christ. That in Christ, we have an incredible amount of riches. Uh, We have an incredible amount of um, just life-changing stuff that that God provides. Like, he gives us what really matters. Uh, If if you think about um, what we receive in Christ, you know, we're reconnected to God. That we uh, that we receive uh, salvation, that we get eternal life, that we have full access to God. Uh, that anytime God's basically adopted us as his kids and, and we can go in confidently and talk to him anytime that we want to. Uh, God has given us so much. And so we tr- we're transitioning from that, from all the riches that we've received in Christ to talking about uh, maturity. Maturity. Everybody loves that word, right? Maturity. Um, some of you may be sitting there thinking of awkward conversations that you had to have with your parents at one point, as I mentioned maturity. Um, so hopefully that doesn't trigger anything for you. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is uh, what it means to be spiritually mature. I want to paint a picture of uh, through the book of Ephesians of what a mature life in Christ is looks like, how to grow, or what a, what a growing life looks like in Christ. And I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life, um, this one just now might be one too, where I was painfully made, uh, was painfully made aware of my immaturity, where I was painfully made aware of, of the fact that I was immature. And I'm going to share one of those with you. Um, so when I first left college, I I got my first real job. I got a job working for a staffing company, and it was the first job I ever had where I had to dress up. I had to wear a shirt and a tie and, um, you know, slacks, and, and uh, it was sort of uncomfortable. Um, 
when I was in college, I, I looked like Napoleon Dynamite. Like I had huge hair and wore shorts all the time. And so to go to like a professional environment was a, was a big shift for me. And uh, there was one day, uh, maybe two months into my job, when I got to work and I realized that I'd forgotten to put a belt on. I, I looked down like, oh man, I forgot my, my belt. It was the same day where my boss's boss was visiting our office. And, and all of us recruiters, we sat in this big open office, uh, which we called the pit. Like it really, it really felt like a pit. But uh, we, re- we worked in this big office called a pit. And, and my boss's boss happened to pick a desk right next to me to work at. And so uh, he, he looks over at me and, and he says in front of the whole office, uh, Hey, Tyler. Where's your belt? Uh, I didn't know what to say. Uh, I didn't know what to say. So, so, so I just blurt something out. And the words I blurt out are, uh, so sorry, bro. Uh, huge, awkward pause in the room. Huge, awkward pause fills the room. He sits back and he says, I'm your boss. I'm not your bro. And at that moment, I, you know, my face turns red. I'm filled with shame and fear. And I, I realized how immature I was. That actually I, I need, to, need to wear a belt to work. And apparently you're not allowed to call your boss's boss bro. Um, so I found that out. One of those hard, hard life lessons. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about what it means to be mature today and uh, the importance of, of growing in our relationship with Christ. Maturity is really about growing uh, in our relationship with Christ. And so, uh, as I said in Ephesians 1 through 3, we've looked at all the amazing riches that we've received in Christ, that God's given us everything, his whole heart, that, he, that we would be connected to him. He took us from a state of being dead, of being unable to connect to God, to being alive in Christ, that we, we are able to become who we were meant to be. And, um, and, and so now, um, because we have Jesus, we become rich in what really matters. And so our first truth is that, in, is that we have amazing riches in Christ. And the second truth, uh, part of that is that with riches, always comes responsibility. We have amazing riches in Christ, but with riches comes responsibility. An example I thought of is, is marriage. Um, like I said, I, I was Napoleon Dynamite in college, but I'm, I managed to meet and marry my wife uh, in college. And uh, my wife is an incredible gift to me. She was an incredible gift to me. She was, she was so beautiful. And she just left the room, so I don't get to embarrass her. But she's, I don't know why she left the room. Uh, maybe she knew this was coming. Um, but she was so beautiful and so smart. And she got my sense of humor. And, and there was just all these things. Uh, it was just an incredible gift. And so I was, uh, you know, when I got married, Bonnie was this amazing gift to me. But what if I, what if I, after we got married, you know, I had this amazing gift, and what if, what if after I got married, I said, okay, so um, 
this is how it's going to be. Um, I'm going to kind of come and go as I please. Uh, I'm going to be kind of traveling a lot. I'll check in every week, um, at least five to ten minutes a day, um, maybe. Or if I forget, then maybe five to ten minutes a week. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, we'll just check in. And, and, and when I need something, I'll, I'll let you know. And um, thanks for marrying me. Um, how would that go over? Not very well, right? Not very well. I would not be married today if that was, was my approach. Um, because when we receive a great gift, it comes with responsibility. We have to, we have to uh, be responsible for what we've received. And it's the same thing with our relationship in Christ. I need to continue to pursue my wife. Even after we get married, I have to continue to pursue my wife. And when I don't, there, there's, there's friction there. And just like in our relationship with God, we never stop pursuing God. We never stop seeking him first. It's a life of seeking God. And it's when we continue to seek God that, uh, that he continues to grow us. That it's, a, it's the spirit of God working in us when we make that space. So we have a responsibility to mature as a Christ follower. So I want to look at at Ephesians 4, and I think it'll help us answer this question. The question is, what does it look like to be a mature follower of Christ? And that's the question that I want to answer today. Uh, What does it look like to be a mature follower of Christ? Hey, there's my wife. Everybody say, hi, Bonnie. (laughs) You missed it. Um, So... Uh, that's funny. Um, so let's read, uh, let's read Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul urges us, the church, to live a life worthy of the riches that we've received. Paul says you've received all this in Christ, and this is what you're supposed to do about it. You're supposed to grow into what God has given you. You're supposed to grow in respect, to live a life in respect to what you've received. Um, the actual word there is to walk. You were supposed to walk worthy uh, of what we've received in Christ. That we, 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 uh, we need to walk worthy of that. And so uh, the main point today is that mature followers will learn to walk differently. Mature followers learn to walk differently. It's learning. It's learning a, a new way to live, a new, a, a new life uh, to live. And uh, just for fun this week, I googled the phrase, how to walk like a ninja. All right? So I, I went online, and this is what I do with, with my spare time. I googled how to walk like a ninja. And what Google gives you is an 11-step guide to walking like a ninja. And with pictures, too. Really cool, really cool. So I tried it at home. It's not ready to demonstrate today. I might wait. 
I'm not, I'm not ready to do it. I can, I can walk you through it a little bit, but essentially how to walk like a ninja, it's mostly about shifting your weight slowly, right? Really slow. Um, and having very loose knees. It says you have to have very loose knees when you walk. And then this was the key. When, when you put your foot down, touch your pinky toe to the ground first, okay? Pinky toe down, okay? When you walk, walk like a ninja. Uh, I have I have some coordination issues, so I'm not not going to do that. But but following Christ, you know, and it is is learning to walk differently. Just like if you were an actual ninja, which I I don't know how many really exist in the world, um, you'd spend years and years trying to build up this skill and practicing and and all this stuff, right? And and as you uh, as you mature as a Christ follower, it comes through that learning, that that dedication to come to God and and, and grow in in faith and trust and 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 obey and and do what He's called you to do. You learn to walk differently. You learn to live differently. Um, Paul will contrast this later in verse seventeen. He talks about um, what we left. The way that, that we walked, we actually leave the way that most of the world walks uh, to walk in the way that Christ wants us to walk. This is verse 17 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. He said, Paul says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And that's where we were. Uh, that's where we were. We, we, we start, we have hard hearts that God softens. And we were separate from God and then we're brought near. And as a result of that, we learn to walk differently. And, it, and it's apparent to those around us. It's apparent to those who are close to us. We stand out. Unlike a ninja who's really good at being stealthy, we, uh, we stand out. And so following God always means changes in our lives. It always means that we're changing. No matter where you're at, whether you, whether you are just exploring who God is or whether you have been following Christ for 20 years, it always means that your life is changing. You can never get to a point where you've plateaued and stopped learning. It always means learning. And so I want to touch on three ways that we, uh, we learn, that we actually learn to walk differently. The first is this. Um, the first is that we grow different in our, in our passion, that we learn to walk different uh, in our passion. And by passion, it means it affects what we really love. Uh, the process of becoming a disciple is moving from, from um, loving ourselves first, of being all about ourselves and what we want and our desires and our appetites and what sounds good to us, to learning to desire what God desires. And what's amazing is that the Spirit of God, when we submit to that, the Spirit of God actually changes our desires so that they become what God desires for us. That God actually changes our desires. That it's a, if, if we're obedient to him, we're like, I don't know if I can give this up. Have you ever had that where you're like, man, I don't know if I can give this up. But when you do, it's like surrender. It's, it's freedom, right? And so when we when we when we walk with God, we learn how to walk in freedom. That, that freedom, there's actually freedom in giving up those things that, that we invest so much in. The, 
the, the things that, are, that feed our appetites, the, 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 the achievements that are all about us, you know, everything in our life that's all about us, when we give that up, there's freedom in that. There's freedom to just be free, to live as God intended you to live, to, to, to be passionate about him and what he's about because he, he has a mission for you. He has a purpose for you. He, he, he's calling you into something deeper. He's calling you into life with him. You know, one thing I love about our church is that we really worship. We really worship. And, and what I love about that is that we, when, when we gather here together, we get to just be in awe of who God is. And that's really what, what worship is. It's just standing in awe, being like, man, God, you are so amazing. You are so amazing. Everything that you are, all the ways that you love us, the, 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 the mighty works that you've done, we just, we just are standing in awe of that. And it's in that awe where we, where we find that passion for other areas. Our, our passion should be driven by a heart of worship. Our passion should be driven by a heart uh, um, that's consumed with who God is and wants to know who God is. And then we get into trouble sometimes when, in, in walking with faith when we feel like we have to adjust that to, to meet the temperature in a room. Like when we, when we go out and, and, you know, we leave this place, we leave our moments with God, and then we go into a different context. We go into work. Uh, we go into school. We go into, in, into colder environments, although today it's pretty cold in here. Um, we go into colder environments. We 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 have a tendency to limit that or not express that and and the encouragement is that, is that as we grow we're more secure in, in expressing uh the awe that we we see in god someone said um don't be a thermometer and change depending on the temperature of the room but be a thermostat actually change the temperature of the room. Let your, let your passion and awe of God spill out into all areas of life. And so the second way that we learn to walk differently is that we grow in our person. You know, as we grow in Christ, we act differently. Paul says, tells us to be completely humble and gentle and be patient and bear with one another in love. That's really hard. <laughs> That's really hard to be completely humble and gentle and to be patient and to bear with one another. That takes a work of God. I mean, if you hang out, if you hung out with, with uh, some of my family, you'd realize that it, it would take a work of God to be completely humble and patient in all of that. Um, funny, not our family. I mean, extended family. I just want to make sure uh, you know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Whew, all right. Whew. Uh, but part of the journey of following God is we l- learn to lay down our personal agendas and be available for other people. That, that we're able to, uh, to humble ourselves um, to a point where, where we're not the most important. Where when, when if God is the most important, it really uh, frees us from that need uh, to be important, that need to, get, to establish ourselves, to, um, you know, to, to, to uh, be the best, to be the, 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 the top dog. And instead, it, it allows us to, uh, to serve. Uh, when we when we follow Christ and and if Jesus is our model the 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 God who became flesh and and lived with us and died for us and humbled himself when we follow that God that also allows us to live 
humbly. The Spirit teaches us how to be humble. Paul calls it having an even spirit. Having an even spirit. No matter what circumstances may be affecting your life, having that that even spirit that allows you to serve as needed. The third way we walk differently is that we also don't just grow. Um, we we don't just grow in our passion or, or in our person, but we also grow in our priorities. See, the the this chapter was really addressing the church as a whole. Paul later will get into more individual instructions, but this is really uh, instructing the church on what it's supposed to be about, who it's, uh, how it's supposed to act. And the major focus of Paul's instruction for the church is unity. More than anything else, Paul, Paul wants the church to be united uh, in the Spirit of God. Paul wants the church to be one. Jesus prays for this in, in, in John 17. He prays that, God, may, uh, Father, may, may they be one as we are one. Like He wants the church to be tight, on the same page, going in the same direction. And so Paul's call for us as believers that we would be ruthlessly devoted to spiritual unity in the church. That we would be ruthlessly devoted to walking with each other and not giving up on each other. You know, that's where grace comes in. We cannot walk in unity if we're not filled with grace. Because people will always be people, right? People will always be people. And if we don't have grace for other people, we won't walk in unity. Walking in unity requires us to be filled with grace and compassion. Why Paul prioritizes the church is that Jesus actually hands the church his mission. He hands us this baton. I want you to be me to the world that needs me. He wants the church to be Jesus to the world around us. That we, we actually carry that. And we don't, it's not on one man, but it's on all of us together. That we as a church are supposed to be a picture of Christ to the world. And there are many ways where, where the, the, the church has, has failed in this. And we could go into that. And yes, that, that is true. The church, in many ways, continually uh, has failed to represent Christ to the world. But as, as, as far as it matters for you, be committed to, to unity in the church. Um, think about how God can call you into relationship, into community uh, with other people. You know, I think of the, the old video game I used to play it in school, Oregon Trail, right? Anybody play Oregon Trail? A little a couple people. So, an or you know, Oregon Trail is, is just kind of a uh, it, it, kind of a, a crazy game. Um, but it, it got me thinking about about the Oregon Trail, and and you know, uh, can you imagine if you were on the trail? You know, you you're, you're with your family or you know relatives or whatever, and you know you're all headed to Oregon. But what if half of you want to pull and go towards California? You've got one wagon, right? It's not going to work, right? You're going to be stuck. Paul doesn't want the church pulling in two different directions. Paul wants the church focused on one direction. Paul wants the church's fo- church focused on Christ. And so that's why unity is important because it actually allows us to accomplish our purpose as a community. And so as we mature, we learn to walk 
walk differently. Um, I want to move on now to uh, to verse seven in uh, in Ro- or Ephesians four. It says, "But to each of a, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it." And this is why it says, "When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people." And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul moves here into talking about the role that we play in each other's lives. There is a side note where he explains how, how Christ was victorious and, and set the captives free and, 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 and brought those who were waiting up to heaven. I don't want to get into that in a whole lot of detail. Um, but what he's talking about here is how the body of Christ actually serves each other. We're called to build each other up. We're called to each other. We're called to, to build each other up, to equip each other to be who we were meant to be. And, and we actually can't find our own identity or our own fulfillment in Christ unless we're doing that, unless we're helping equip other people. And so the, the, the point of Paul's message here is that um, mature followers mature other followers. Mature followers mature other followers. As you grow, as you mature as a Christ follower, you're called to help other people mature in their faith. And we have a clear part to play in each other's story. That, that without entering into community, you cannot really grow in Christ. And I'm saying this by being someone that's been shaped by community, by having specific people at specific times be honest with me and walk with me. And... Um, we have a responsibility to each other to pull in the same direction and not to leave anybody behind. And so part of our responsibility is to care for each other, is to when, when we're struggling, to encourage each other, to point each other towards Christ, to keep each other focused on what, what really matters. Uh, one way I've been experiencing this lately is, is in these small groups that we've started here at North Bay called Quads. And... Uh, one of the one of the quads that, that I've been meeting with uh, the most, um, we meet at 6.15 a.m. on Wednesday morning. For some of you, that's no big deal. For some of you, it's way too early. I'm a, I wear a belt now, so it's, uh, you know, I'm mature enough to get up that early. Um, but the thing about meeting at 6.15 a.m. is you get the real deal. Like, the guys there get the real Tyler. Somewhat incoherent, you know, and uh, a little tired. It's going to take me a couple cups of coffee to get to get going there. Um, but but the, the, the beauty of that is we get to share um, what's going on in our lives. If we're struggling, we, we know it's safe to share that. If we're doing well, we know that, that we're going to be, we're going to celebrate that as a community. And one thing that that does for me is I think about Wednesdays during the week. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to connect with those guys on Wednesday. I better be, <laughs> I better be following Christ this week. There's an accountability that's built in there. You know, when people really care, when people really know you, um, there's an accountability that's built. And it's through these types of relationships when we're really known, that's, that's when we grow. So if, 
If you don't have that today, if you're sitting there and like, man, I don't have anyone speaking into my life, I would, I would encourage you to, to, to find that, to maybe, maybe on your connection card, right? You know, I'm interested in a small group. I'm interested in, in a quad. I'm interested in, in discipleship because um, we want to walk with you in that. Because as a church, we're supposed to be about building the body of Christ. God, God it says that Christ gave all these leaders to equip the church for works of service. God gave all these leaders to equip the church for works of service, to live into their calling, to, to, to find out the purpose that God has, has made them to serve in. And um, that he, he lists a few different, uh, different types of leaders, and I want to just touch on those briefly. He, he, he lists apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. There's five different gifts. These are, these are spiritual leadership gifts. These are gifts of leadership. Um, apostles are those who are gifted in advancing the kingdom of God forward and sending people, in identifying and sending people. Um, prophets are those who call people back to God's heart. When, when people stray, when people get off track, prophets are the one who's going to speak up for God. Evangelists are those who can, who can talk to anybody about Jesus, who, who can share the compelling case of Jesus uh, to someone who, who doesn't know him. Shepherds are, are the caregivers. They're the caretakers of the church. Shepherds preserve the unity of the church. They keep everybody together. When that, when that one person strays off, it's the shepherd's heart that, that runs after that person. And then teachers... Um, te- teachers are the uh, are the thinkers of the church. They're the ones who um, who give people the tools that they need to grow. And so, what's beautiful about this picture is that there's this the, this uh, group of five leaders that that work together as a team. There's not other than Jesus. There's not one person who possesses all those leadership gifts. And so even even in leadership, God has designed the church to be interdependent. That without, without any of these roles, that we're not complete in, in fulfilling the mission of God. And there have been some debate uh, over the years on, on, on whether the, the apostle and prophet gift, whether that's um, is still around or not, or um, you know, maybe that, that ended after the Bible was written. Um, I think that they still exist in some form because I think that God is still sending people and he's still speaking to people. And we still need people who have these gifts. And so the, the, why did Christ give us leaders? Well, it says in verse 12 and 13, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. Uh, equipping is a nautical term. It's a term that has to do with ships. Getting a ship prepared to launch out into the sea. You know, that's the work that we're called to do. We're, we're called to prepare people to serve others, prepare people to share Christ with others. Um, that's the calling that we have um, on, in whatever circle of influence that you have, whatever sphere that God's given you, God's asking you to steward that, uh, to prepare people um, for ministry, prepare people for his mission. So, um, so finally, um, Paul shares this benefit of, of being mature. 
of, of reaching maturity. We're going to go to verse uh, 14. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So you can see that, that as we grow in Christ, we go from being a pla- in a place of instability, where, where we're tossed back and forth by, by winds and waves, where, where our circumstances really affect how we're doing in Christ, to a place where we're standing on a rock where we're standing secure. And that's this last point, is that mature followers are secure followers. That as we learn to trust Christ, our, our faith is not rattled as much by our circumstances. We're not, we're not as easily led astray. Uh, we are able to stand secure. And that's a process. And that's actually a learned process. Like, you have to risk to, to, to learn that. You have to put it out there like, okay, God, this is a really difficult situation, but I'm going to trust you in this. And you actually have to wait for God to show up. And it's when you see him show up time and time again that you're able to stand on a more firm foundation, that you're able to stand in a solid place and not feel back and forth. For years, I struggled with doubt. And the doubts changed. The doubts went from like, does God exist? To, uh, is God going to help me? You know, and and, and that's what happens. We always wrestle with doubt. We're always, you know, we can get in one conversation and it can derail our faith. But then after a while, as you, as you grow in relationship, it's undeniable that God is real because he's worked in your life. And, and getting to that point of security, that's, that's the, the stable ground that we, that we come to. And what that does is it, is it, allows, you, it allows you to help grow other people. You know, there's this famous line that we use in the church a lot where Paul says, speak the truth in love. That's a hard thing to do. Either I have too much truth or too much love when I talk to people. Um, and uh, it's a hard thing to have that balance, to speak the truth in love. But when we're secure in Christ, we're able to, to, to be honest with people. We're able to tell people uh, what, they, what they need to know so that they can course correct. You know, we're able to encourage each other. We're able to, to, to challenge each other to give things up. And those are difficult uh, conversations. But with, without that, we don't grow. I don't know about you. I grow more through difficult conversations than easy conversations. It's when people who are, are were willing to be honest with me, like if I, if I really messed something up, that I, I learned more from people being honest with me saying, dude, that was awful. Than, than not, than being, than being nice. And what being secure allows us to, to move from being nice to being honest. And the goal in all of this, we can, you know, it says that, um, that it ends with, end with this on 16. It says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting li- ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We're building ourselves up. We're strengthening our muscles uh, so that we can, we can serve not just us here, uh, although very important, but we can also serve out there. 
that God's equipped us to be on mission. God's equipped us to serve uh, both here and out there, all across the world. God's equipped us to serve. And so our vision is really to be, we've talked about being a healthy sending movement, that we, we want as a church, as North Bay, as, as Christ the King, that we, we want to be healthy. We want to be, we, we be healthy. We want to pursue God first. Uh, we want to be about what he's about. We want to we love God because we're in awe of God. And we want every area of, uh, of what we do to be about God. And then we're also, uh, we're a church that's sent. We want to be sent to each other to build each other up. And we want to be sent into our community. Um, part of the, that expression is, is what we're trying to do in Blaine. We're trying to be a, a church that's sent to love their community. Love, love Blaine, love North Bay, love, love Birch Bay. And we are a sent people. You know, Jesus says in John, he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. We're all called to be sent. It's not isolated to specific people. We're all called to be sent to love and to serve others. And so what we, what we did this morning as we close, I just want to draw your attention uh, to in, in your program, we listed out some opportunities for you to get involved. This is just, if, you, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I want to serve, I don't know where. Well, we wanted to give you an opportunity, highlight some opportunities. On the front page, it's what's, what's already out there in our community that's asking for help? What, what are some organizations that are serving people in our community that are asking for help? Um, so we have the community assistance program there. Um, we have the community toy store, which, which serves um, hundreds of families at Christmas. Um, we have Skookum Kids, which works with, uh, with foster families. Um, and then on the back, we have, we have needs for people to serve here at North Bay. And we just wanted to highlight some of those. If you would just look that over, and if you feel like, God, this would be a first step for you in, in, in serving and taking a, a step of faith towards service, I want you to just put your name on that and, and put that. Uh, in the offering uh, bucket as that comes by. I want to end with this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes um, of all time. And it, and, it, and it ties in with what we're talking about. My favorite quote is this, is that it, it, a ship in the harbor is safe. But that's not what ships were made for. A ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were made for. You are a ship that God wants to send out to serve and love the world. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we just come before you, and um, Lord, as, we, as, as we've read through uh, your words here, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would, you would identify for us what we need to do, that you would identify for us what those next steps towards maturity are, God, how do you want us to grow? God, where do you want us to go, God? Um, Lord, I pray that, that, that you would help us to take steps. Sometimes those first steps are hard, God. If there's something that, that uh, is in the way this morning, God, would you remove that? If there's something that we're holding on to that we don't want to let go of so that we can, we can fully seek you, God, I pray that you would, you would help us to surrender that this morning at your feet. Lord, I pray that we would be a community that's, that's 
set apart, that walks different, God. Lord, that we would be a community that loves you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we are all pulling in the same direction, God. Lord, that we would be a community when people look at us, that they'd say, there's, there's a church that knows how to love, God. And so we just, uh, we, lift, we lift that up this morning. I, I uh, thank you, God, for what you're doing, Father. I thank you, God, for how you've been at work. And we just, uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.